Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up soon, we are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists presenting at the meeting so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Backright, and I'm hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 14, 2023, we talked with Ina Ricardo Lax, a postdoctoral scholar in the Rice Lab at the Rockefeller University. She received her master's in biochemistry and PhD in virology at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel. She is interested in using viruses to understand how cells function. Thank you for uh, talking with us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so hi, uh, my name is Ina Ricardo Lax. Um, I am a postdoc research associate in the lab of uh, Charlie Rice at the Rockefeller University. So yeah, I started my journey at the doing my graduate work at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel. Uh, I was working on hepatitis B virus. And then I came for my postdoc, um, and here I'm working on um, RNA modifications in the context of uh, RNA virus infection. And uh, with a two-year hiatus where we switched to COVID work, and there um, we designed uh, replicon, um, replicon systems for SARS-CoV-2 that will allow us, that allow us to work um, with SARS-2 uh, in a BSL-2 setting instead of using high containment facilities. Okay, and can you tell us how you first became interested in virology, I guess interested in science? How did that happen for you? Yeah, this is actually a funny story. So whenever I'm teaching students, I tell them that. Um, so when I was um, was I was in high school, I kind of asked myself, okay, what, what do I want to do when I grow up? Um, and I really loved animals. Um, but, you know, I was not really good at math so I never thought about science as a career because you know I hear that if you're if you're a scientist you need to be good at math that's what we knew um, and so when I had to choose high schools I actually all my friends went to the science oriented high school that was amazing close by and I'm like you know I'm not going to do science <laughs> this is not for me and I traveled to a different city for high school for four years just to avoid doing science um yeah but then you know in during high school when i really thought about what i wanted to do um i really loved animals i was volunteering in animal shelters etc and i wanted to become a veteran to become a veterinarian um and so i took some science in high school just because i knew i wanted to major in biology in college so i can go to vet school after college uh but then what happened was that in undergrad and when i was majoring in biology i learned all these biochemistry one-on-one -on -one and the central dogma and like DNA replication and RNA trans transcription and translation, et cetera. And my mind was just blown. And I thought this was amazing. You know, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to study this. And the way I got into virology was also kind of part of that thing because all of the big molecular biology findings, most of them were discovered by using viruses or at that time bacteriophages. Um, so that got me really fascinated about viruses as tools to learn about how, how our own cells function. Cool. And I guess then, can you describe a little bit the path that you followed then in your science career? How did you um, end up in the places that you ended up? What were you looking for at like graduate level, postdoc level? 
Yeah, so for graduate school, I really wanted to do viruses. So I went to the lab of uh, Professor Yosef Shaul at the Weizmann Institute. And uh, he was doing um, hepatitis B virus work. Um, so I studied there. You were focusing on hepatitis B virus and host interaction. And um, what was interesting was that we knew that HBV infects hepatocytes were normally quiescent cells. They don't replicate. But on the other hand, uh, HBV having a DNA genome needs a lot of deoxynucleotides to replicate. And the question was, how does it obtain all these deoxynucleotides if it doesn't really push salts towards proliferation like other viruses do? And so uh, to cut a very long story short, this is what I, I did my PhD on. Um, I, I was trying to figure out how it does that. And um, what I found was actually very interesting. I found a non-coding RNA sequence encoded by the virus that activates the DNA damage response in, in quiescent cells and activates the expression of the ribonucleotide reductase enzyme that actually synthesizes the oxynucleotides in the cell. And so this non viral non-coding RNA got me really, really interested in the RNA world. So when I was looking for a postdoc, I really wanted to learn to, you know, to work with RNA viruses also as a way to learn about RNA biology. And so this is how I came to Charlie's lab. Um, and again, as I said, I'm working on RNA modifications, specifically M5C RNA modification. Um, in the context of virus infection, and the reason why it's so cool, it's a really good model because viral RNA, especially in positive sense, RNA viruses, the viral RNA actually have, has, have multiple functions um, because the same RNA molecule can be translated, it can be replicated, it also needs to be packaged, it also needs to escape the host in an immune signal, like the, the sensors. And so these RNA molecules need to be very tightly regulated as opposed to our own mRNAs, which is, you know, their sole purpose is going out, out of the nucleus and being translated. Um, and so this is kind of what I'm trying to do right now, and this is what I'm working on, and this is what I'm going to present in ASV as well. Cool. And I guess in your graduate career and your in your postdoc, was it just the science that led you to these labs, or were there other sort of attributes, as it were, that you looked at or considered in in taking those positions? Yeah, I was looking when I was looking for my postdoc because um, I I have two kids. Um, I had two kids during my PhD, and so I was looking for a place that was supportive. Um, I was looking for a mentor who was supportive and will let me do kind of my own thing. Um, and this is how I came to Charlie. Um, I kind of, we collaborated a little bit also during grad school. So I, I already, you know, he knew me, I knew him. And uh, so this was kind of like an easy choice to come to his lab. Okay. Okay. And then I guess, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? What is sort of your plans for the future? Yeah, so I am on the on the job market currently. Um, I mean, for now, academic job market, although I'm really starting to open up towards uh, industry jobs as well. Um, I think I have a lot to contribute, especially, you know, because now the entire mRNA therapy field is kind of blowing up. So I think uh, there's a lot of interesting things there in, in industry as well. Um, yeah, so I'm still undecided, honestly. Um, I'm kind of considering both both options. And I guess, what are you looking for? If you're thinking about like an industry job, what are you looking for in an industry job? 
Yeah. So I'm looking for something that will be um, that will have some basic science interest for me because I come from really basic science and that's what's interesting to me. Of course, I'm aware that the industry, you know, you have to work towards, you know, building something, finding something that's concrete and can go to the market. But I think even within these limits, um, there's a lot you can do in terms of basic science and understand how things work, uh, even though you're studying them in order to take them and use them after, which is totally fine. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm looking for something with that interest in mind. And then also something that I believe that could actually work, I would say, you know, I don't want to go and do something and, you know, and do work if I don't believe that it has potential to have some impact on the real life. Okay. And then academically, what would you be looking for? Are you looking for a teaching position, a research position? What are you looking for? Yeah, I'm looking for a research position. Um, I've been interviewing for assistant professor uh, at R1 universities mostly. Um, Yeah, so, you know, having my own lab, leading my own research. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when you think about the two professions, sort of the academic lab leader versus sort of an industry job, are there pros and cons that you kind of associate with those two jobs, things that you like about both? Yeah, I guess, you know, the classic ones, I guess, you know, um, academic jobs, you know, you have the academic freedom, you know, you find something interesting, you can follow up on that. Yes, you do need to um, convince uh, people to give you money to study that. But, you know, if, if you can do that, you're free to do whatever you want um versus industry where you kind of told what to do um on the other hand i think you know the chase after the constant chase after grants in academic life is something that's um that's very tough you know i'm hearing about it from from a lot of people um and it is a little tempting to just like you know go and do what you're good at doing and do it well in industry and you don't have to worry about all those other things so that's that's tempting having um the option to really have, um, a, you know, a fast tracked um, option to have your work really impacting something, you know, people's lives, which is which can happen in academia as well. It just normally takes a lot, lot more time. And then I guess um, maybe you can reflect a little bit about. Um, not being sort of a native of the U.S., what is that like sort of coming here to do your studies and then getting a job? Are there unique challenges that you've had to face because of that? Um, Maybe you could give us some uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, So, you know, one thing is really international postdocs and, uh, and people, you know, we are limited in the in the funding that we can apply for. Um, so I think we, there's only a handful of grants that we can apply to as, you know, you know, K awards, for example, we only have the K99, uh, which is very limiting. Um, and then on the other hand, it just also, you know, where do I want to live my life? Um, and again, having kids, my kids are teenagers at this point. So really deciding whether I want to stay in the U S when I, whether I want to go back home, uh, these are always questions that come up, uh, especially when you're not, you know, deciding just for yourself. Um, yeah, and even culture-wise and the way, you know, interpersonal relationships are, they're, they're different. You know, I had to adjust quite a lot. Um, and of course, always there's a visa issues and bureaucratic issues that all the international people, I'm sure, 
stumble on at some point, uh, which also really limits you actually, especially if, when you want to move up to um, industry positions. Um, you have to have a green card or, you know, it's tough. Yeah. And do you think that there's a, a, a difference in the way that science is done here versus where you're from? Yes, I think so on different aspects. And then there's, there's, of course, you know, each side has their own pluses and minuses. Um, I find that Israeli culture um, normally is much less formal, generally, I would say. So, you know, if I, if I want to, you know, collaborate or talk to someone about something, you know, I, I just come up to them, you know, I don't send an email, you know, so it's, it's just a little different. And I had to, you know, make quite a big adjustment um and also you know how you for example um how you, how do you give criticism constructive criticism for someone right that i mean even if they ask for it here you you need to be much more careful whether israelis are much more direct and you know if i say something to a person they won't take it personally and they won't um you know take offense uh here i need to be much more careful because i know that you know it, it's it's more subtle and what about funding and things like that? Do they have like an overall funding agency like NH, NIH, NSF kind of thing? Yeah. So um, Israel de definitely has funding sources, governmental funding sources, um, also European funding sources, because um, a lot of Israeli scientists uh, can apply to ERC, which is the, are the European big grants. And a lot of people actually get them, which is quite impressive for such a small country. Um, so yeah, it's it's tougher than here, I would say. There's just less grants to apply to, uh, but it's definitely doable, I would say. Cool. Um, and then I guess I like to finish off by kind of asking people, based on your experience now, if when you think back when you're first starting in science, is there something that you wish you had known then? Yeah. So I guess when you're just starting doing science, so you know, initially, initially, I wish. I I knew that you don't have to be good at math to be a scientist. I'm still not, you know, amazing at math. I'm not a mathematician, not whatsoever. Um, you know, I could, I could have started my journey, journey much, much earlier. I'm sure. Um, that's one. And then another thing is that what you don't know is that you're getting better at each step. And when you're just starting out, everything looks impossible, basically, right? Like, you know, when you start your Grads, grad school, right? Like, how would I even write a grant? Like, I don't even know how to start, right? But each of the steps you're taking, you're learning more and more and more. And once you get closer to your actual goal, you already are know much more and you kind of, you are much more capable of actually doing that. Um, so I wish I, I wish I knew it kind of like, it will be okay, you will figure it out, you will know what to do. Right. That seems to be a common thread, actually. <laughs> Science can be kind of intimidating um, in the beginning. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for talking with us. And we look forward to hearing about your research at ASB. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers, or at lmtv.podbean.com.